Introducing Mortgage Matters. He has no idea how bad it is out there. He has no idea. A show dedicated to helping you navigate a challenging and ever-changing financial and real estate landscape. The economy continues to face numerous difficulties. Now, your hosts, Dan Podesto and Jason Grody of Central Coast Lending. The fact that you're being called upon to help clean up Wall Street's mess is an outrage. Broadcasting outrage, live outrage. from the KVEC studios in San Luis Obispo. What economy are you talking about? Talking it's about, time for Mortgage Matters. Well, hi, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Mortgage Matters. It's just five after 10. It's a little bit cloudy outside, kind of cold, feeling wintry finally. It was uh, raining in a Tascadero on my way over the grade, and then here it looks drier. How was it on the way in from Morro Gray? I drove through the cloud that apparently rained earlier this morning in Morro Bay. So it was misting on you, kind of? Yeah. Yeah, that's how ours was. Like the wipers, no, couldn't see raindrops, but needed wipers every minute or so. Good times. It's nice to have some rain, huh? It's different. Yeah, I'm, it ti- is nice. I'm tired of it. I'm ready for this. <laughs> <laughs> Get rid of the rain now. Sorry. Get rid of it. It's, We've got two inches. That's enough. It's gone on too long. No, 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 no. We need more. Actually, I drove by Katuma the other day, and that's looking pretty bad. It's depressing. So, yeah. Yeah. In fact, I saw um, Dave Hovde was uh po- in his forecast or kind of weather update thing was saying that we needed like a half to an inch of rain a week between now and March to maintain the current level of drought. Great. Seems <laughs> that seems like a tall order for uh for rain here, but maybe we'll get it. Well, we could. We got it. We already got it the other day. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so hopefully we get some rain today. An inch per week? Yeah, and on average. That's a tall order. Did you guys see that uh, there was an email going around that showed a, a diagram of 18 counties in California that are um, running out of water? Great. It's, it's kind of alarming. And there was a, there's a new bill now that's going to ship water. They're moving water. Doesn't sound like a, a great idea, but hey, everybody needs water, right? Yeah, unfortunately, we don't live without, without water. Without water, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's kind of a necessity. It's probably time to do some desalinization. That's what. Yeah, I'm with the rising ocean levels, there's, there's more water out there than ever before. It feels like nature's trying to tell us something. <laughs> hey, use this use water. This stuff. <laughs> the other stuff's going down. This one's getting bigger. <laughs> Who knows? Hey, thanks to all the Jeff Bradley listeners that stuck around. Um, appreciate you listening. Seems like a tall order to fill. He said he uh, hasn't known two guys to better fill two hours um, of exciting, interesting talk here. So we'll have to not disappoint. <laughs> so talk. <laughs> 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 I purposefully paused. What? Come on, Dan, fill it up. I'm getting my I'm getting, getting my notes here. open here. Um, had a kind of a head scratcher of a week this week in the Dow, huh? Um, the the general market trends seem to be down. I saw some stats that there was of the last maybe dozen sessions or something. The majority of them were down. I expected yesterday. Um, this is a show I always look forward to, by the way. The the first Saturday after the, the jobless 
Um, well, I, I want to call it the jobless report. <laughs> jobs report. <laughs> the, the jobs report. See, this one's supposed to focus on how many jobs are created. Uh, and instead, it resonates with me as the jobless report, just the how bad is it number. Um, so we have we have all that to talk about. And, um, you know, all in all, the the uh, recent news, all the headlines have led to uh, some improvement in interest rates. So you kind of got to be thankful for that. Right. Maybe not. Not everybody is. I am. I like lower rates. And, uh, oh, by the way, I'm supposed to mention, too, that um, today we have a loan officer uh, in the office waiting to answer questions, solve scenario problems. Um, thought we might do a little bit, Dan, where um, we could we could have a, a, a segment here and talk about um, who should call. Okay. Yeah. Don't you think that's a good idea? Yeah, yeah. We're going to do a bit. I think this is our first bit. Segment. Segment. A bit, a bit segment. Okay. There's there's people that... Uh, Can we have, you... like, intro music to this segment? I'm trying to find <laughs> something here. I feel like we need a game show kind of... Surely you're, like, cued with sort. something that has to do with, like, a, a call-in type of thing. There we go. Who should call? Who should call? <laughs> yeah. There's the name of the segment. Who should call? All right. So to, to kick the segment off, we should say that the number is 543-LOAN. Okay? This is going to get you to a loan officer. Um, very, very skilled, by the way. This, this guy, of all the people that could be answering the phones today to solve lending issues, problems, give advice... Um, Jason Van Dyke is the one that you're going to find in the office right now. Uh, and he's going to be able to answer your questions for you. Triple so, black belt in loan officerology. I was asked this week um, at, a, at a group that I belong to, what's a good referral for me? So I'll start by saying that. Um, my, my most succinct answer today of, of who's a good referral. Uh, first of all, I think the best referral right now is... Um, somebody that has a uh a loan today with mortgage insurance this seems to be one of the the best areas where somebody could uh redo their loan and find some true savings um we talk a lot about fha being um kind of like a worst case scenario type of loan i don't mean to paint it in such a bad light it's just that in the spectrum of loans available there are plenty of programs that are just lower in um lower in mortgage insurance and and once you get to that magic 80% number so you you only owe 80% or less of your home's value that's where uh that's where conventional loans really shine if you're less than that or you have credit issues or lacking a down payment or whatever then then you do an FHA loan um so bottom line here in terms of FHA. If you have an FHA loan, great time to call. Uh, property values have gone up over the last couple of years. And uh, our experience lately has been we have these people calling into the office, do a little bit of research about the value of their home, and find that many of them have the 20% equity now. Having only put 3.5% down or 5% down, have 
found market appreciation and now have that equity. Well, and you only need 5% equity in your home to get a conventional loan. A conventional loan with only 5% equity in the home is going to have a much lower mortgage insurance than an FHA loan where there's 3.5% down made on that. I mean, the the mortgage insurance is about one-third um, on the conventional side than it is on the FHA side. Yeah, and remember, FHA mortgage insurance today quite likely has a life of loan term um, period. In other words, if your mortgage insurance is $300 a month, you're going to have that $300 a month payment uh, for the entire loan. That adds up tremendously. And people are really surprised to hear that. Um, I think because we've always known that mortgage insurance is a temporary thing that you need to have until you have that equity. That's how like parents and grandparents talked about FHA um, and other loans that have mortgage insurance. FHA doesn't recognize market appreciation in um, what they'll do for removing your mortgage insurance. So if you have a loan that's a few years old, those ones typically have a five-year minimum. If your loan is less than a year old and you put more than 5% down, you could have an 11-year minimum. But on a conventional loan, check this out. This is These are the people that I'm talking to. If you get a loan, like let's say you only have 10% equity today and you come out of your FHA and you go into a conventional while rates are still low, the conventional mortgage insurance programs do consider market value. So if your property appreciates $50,000 over the next couple years and that movement in the marketplace calculates your loan to value at 80% or less, then your mortgage insurance is gone. Um, that's huge. I mean, consider it. $300 a month might be what you're out of. And just just over one year, that's $3,600. Put that over 10 years, you're talking $36,000. So I, I urge people with mortgage insurance um, to call in and get their questions answered about what kind of mortgage insurance they have today. You don't need to tell us. We can quiz you about the loan type you have and figure out what mortgage insurance you do have. And if we can't make it go away today, we could explain to you what's going to happen, what the outcomes will be, and what options do exist. If not today, then maybe tomorrow. Um, and you don't, there's people listening right now that say, I know I don't have 20% equity. Yes, I have mortgage insurance, but I don't have 20% equity. Mortgage insurance is based on how much equity you do have. And the fact is, if you bought your home in the last three, four years, you have more equity today and those rates are lower the more equity you have they're lower so just check into it see what what options exist for you those people i think are people that should call right now you want to know who else should call right now i do people who got mortgages 15 years ago and haven't touched them since I ran into one of these guys this week yeah i ran into this guy he said hey i should talk to you about my loan I said, sure. What do you want to talk about? I said, well, I got my loan 15 years ago when I bought my house. Haven't touched it since. It's 8%. <laughs> it actually wasn't that high. It was uh, it was about 5.5%. Oh, okay. Um, rates today are lower than they've been for most of the last couple hundred years. Ex except for maybe like 2010, 11, 12 
rates today are lower than any other time in history. Yeah, if you compare us to 15 years ago, it's definitely cheaper. Um, so going into a new 15-year loan, so we're not changing what's left to pay on this person's mortgage, um, monthly savings of $400 a month. Yeah. If, if lowering the payment was the number one objective, a, a new 30-year loan was going to save him $900 a month. Wow. So someone who hasn't touched their mortgage in the last 15 years, I know you're out there. You are. We see them every, darn near every day. Someone comes in who hasn't looked at their loan in an absurd amount of time. We can help you. Let me tell you something else about your, your buddy with the 15-year deal here. You know, the other phenomenon that happens is that 25% um, of mortgage interest is paid in the first five years of the loan. So this guy, after paying for 15 years, a lot of his payment is going towards principal now. He's through the heavy lifting part of interest. And on the surface, that sounds like a good thing. Well, that's good. I want my money to be going to principal. But I'm going to challenge your thought process here. This guy's got 15 years to go. If he gets a new 15-year loan, even at this lower interest rate, today the prevailing 15-year loan rates are around about three and three-eighths maybe three and a half if you're looking for a really low fee transaction, okay? So this guy goes into a three and a half, all that interest calculates again here into the first few years. So suddenly that interest write-off that he gets against his income taxes is restored. And he's not had benefit of this like in any notable fashion for seven or eight years. It's been effectively gone. So you're ahead in savings. You don't extend your loan term. You lower your monthly payment. You increase your tax deductibility, setting yourself up for um, just more freed up money. Great time to be able for this guy. I, I don't know all of the details, but how about in the, the monthly savings as well as the tax savings, take that $500 a month that he's saving just by reorganizing the exact same debt over the exact same term, puts 500 bucks a month into his IRA. Now he's reducing his taxable income even further, growing a new asset to appreciate in the market, um, really in a good spot. How does somebody like this survive um, going through life with their head in the sand, not really knowing that these options all exist? It, it, you can't fault him for it. There's a lot of people that get a loan and they don't monkey around with refinancing. You don't extend your term. You don't take cash out. You got a good loan. You stick to it and pay it off. That's good logic, and you can't fault somebody for having it. However, it, it makes sense to just check in and see what options exist. Um, that same guy, Dan, uh, my next exercise with him would be to look at a 10-year fixed. It's probably going to pay 400 bucks a month more. In other words, his term's now going to match. But instead of having 15 years to go, he's going to have 10 years to go on that loan, pay off five years earlier, and retire five years sooner. Um, I think a lot of people, unless you're the uber wealthy, most people try to couple um, getting their house payment paid off, getting that taken care of. That's a big component to when they can afford to retire. And while we're speaking of retiring, um, people that are looking to retire in the next few years, redo your loan now. Um, going into your those retirement years, um, why not? 
I mean, it, it's all a matter of what your total interest is in, in leaving to your heirs. But I think it'd be great to go into a 30-year loan, drop that payment by 900 bucks a month, have that money freed up to help your grandchild who's enrolling in their first year of college or, you know, whatever those maybe buying a, you know, a second home or something, who knows, um, maybe just having an extra amount of money to take care of the additional healthcare expenses and everything that we've all been feeling the pinch of. Um, most of the time, if you, if you do have a, a fixed income where you're care, you're capable of living out your retirement years in comfort, lowering your house payments, just going to improve quality of life. Um, are you paying your house off just to leave it to your heirs with no mortgage? Um, or are you paying your house off to, to meet a lifelong goal or something? People have different things that they're, that they're vying for. And so we really like to sit down with people and kind of custom tailor that, give them all of the options and, and lay out what's the objective. How about the person who owns their home free and clear and just, is kind of scraping by on what little fixed income they do have. You're scaring me with this one. There's reverse mortgage. There is reverse mortgage. That's one of the greatest tools that your house is for you. It's a big savings account. You've put money into it for 30 plus years to pay that debt down, hopefully off. Yeah. Someday when you need it most, it could be there to pay you back. So and I that's had, really what a, a, rever a reverse mortgage does for you. I had some sweetheart clients that I helped. Um, we actually refied their home a couple of times as rates were falling. And um, I don't think this situation's all too unique. They still had a loan, okay? The loan was like 300000 But their house is in San Luis. It's a $900,000 house. Mr. has a pension. He's 15 years older than Mrs., Okay. She's 65, he's 80. He's got some health issues and he's concerned that he's not gonna live another 20 years. Um, their loan was a 30 year loan. But one of the things that, that we sat down to really carefully explore is that when he passes away, his pension stops. It doesn't have a survival benefit. His pension is what makes the mortgage payment. So if he died suddenly tomorrow or made it another healthy five years and died in five years from who knows what that she's in a pickle a lot of equity that's really inaccessible unless she sells the home but she doesn't want to sell they've owned the home for a long time they raised their kids there she wants to um, live her years out and retire in this home um reverse mortgage and what was really cool about this transaction is is we did a reverse mortgage for them their payment's gone they don't pay anyone anymore so now they get his pension this month, they throw it into the bank, they're racking up savings, and they're taking cool trips, heading to Italy last I heard. So um, there are a lot of different loan programs to meet objectives, and, and really the point is you come and sit down with one of our experts, and we can kind of show you these different scenarios and show you these different options, figure out if what you're doing is, is optimizing your happiness, wealth, and goals. The reality is most people um, aren't using loans to their advantage. The banks are using their loan to their advantage. Um, another, another great uh, person that should call right now. What? You don't want to keep going on this? <laughs> I think you might be taking it too far. No, um, I, I'll, I'll finish with this one then. Um, first time home buyers, there's an awful lot of this, um, feeling of, 
I don't qualify or why would somebody loan me $400,000 or I've only had this job for two years or I had this problem with this credit card a couple years ago and I need to work on my credit, this, that, and the other. There, there are people out there today that could qualify or get on track to qualifying for a home loan that just simply aren't and they just stay renting. Um, renting has some perks for sure. The biggest trouble I see with rent is rent is 100% interest, right? I mean, your mortgage, sure, it's 4% interest or something like that. And there's obligation and things that go along with it. Um, you you realize nothing from appreciation it's not tax of renting. It's 100% interest. It's not tax deductible. It's not gaining equity. It's not appreciating. You're not getting ahead at all. Um, and if you look around at the people that have accumulated wealth and really done well for themselves over the course of a lifetime, we look to the folks that are in their 50s and 60s. One common theme I always see is that they own real estate. So um, for the young people, if by chance you're listening to AM radio on a Saturday morning, um, I'd love it if you guys would call and, and get qualified or at least get on track for a plan to complete that first step of uh, owning real estate. Now we all know who should call today while we've got someone manning the phones in the office. 543 Loan. That'll get you to a loan officer right now. Um, 543-5626. He wasn't even ready. Do we have, do we have some theme music? <laughs> I thought we had theme music. This edition of Who Should Call. I looked down at you and you're smirking at me as I got I got all excited. Well, that was good. I, 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 just, I was worried that, you know... We we're just gonna drag it on one, I, uh, no. one story too many. Believe me, I could. <laughs> but you can sense it from me, though. I get excited about this stuff. I when somebody comes in, like that guy that you're talking about, comes in and is just doing it wrong, and we can say, "Hey, let's do these things," and it has no negative effect at all and changes their finances radically to the positive. That's well worth calling in talking to a pesky loan officer I, it just is <laughs> and it's fun I, I really enjoy that aspect of the business it's always cool to help a cal poly professor save another 90 bucks a month or something you know that's fine those big deals like that where somebody can shorten their term and really change their cash flow those are fun yeah a lot of people get intimidated by by big numbers lots of zeros mortgage interest all, all that kind of math stuff they don't like it we are folks really do i really enjoy it you really enjoy it we make it simple too yeah the people that do loans with us that's like the biggest feedback we ever get is you know whether it's their first loan or their 12th loan they understand it it makes sense they participate in the process and uh, coming out the other side they understand why they've done what they've done and why they chose that option over other available options so I, I like that a lot. All right. We've offered just a few little tidbits on why you might benefit from giving us a call. This is just a little taste of what we do every day on our website. We offer up a lot of interesting articles, um, you know, ideas that, that might pertain to your personal situation um, that you might get a little inf information from, find out that there is opportunity for you. So check out our website weekly, daily. There's always new content. Um, coming out at centralcoastlending.com. We've got full-time staff that's always producing new, interesting articles. Um, it is time for us to step into the first commercial break. Um, we will 
listen to a few sponsored commercials, and we'll be right back with another hour and a half of Mortgage Matters. Don't go anywhere. Keep it locked to Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. To ask a question, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. We'll be back in just a few minutes. What a state of generosity. Look what my agent got for me. Just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more. But now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you could save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending, Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso, Morro Bay, Seattle's Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. What is this? <laughs> it's the theme to the $25,000 pyramid. Oh. Yeah. That's like chump change. Yeah, I know. They yeah, do like they, million they dollar went, shows now. <laughs> yeah, well, they went, they went from the $25,000 to the $50,000 to the $100,000 pyramid. Now you can win a million on Survivor, which is still on, by the way. So there you go. Not Survivor. Yeah. Always make me think of that knucklehead that won a million dollars and then didn't pay taxes and went to jail. <laughs> Don't yeah, win. A, weird. Don't win a million. Yeah, like the nude guy. Don't win a yeah. million dollars on TV. They gave it to him in an eight foot long check. <laughs> yeah, he's just, like, I doubt the IRS saw that. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, they didn't notice. <laughs> then he said he he thought it was deducted. So it, like, <laughs> <laughs> he thought they did it all for him. See, uh, and then later, dollar, what what what's what's the tax on a million bucks? Oh, uh, probably fifty percent. Okay, so then you would get a check for five hundred grand. Yeah, and when you know that, <laughs> <laughs> hey, where's the other half? <laughs> there you are. Um, yeah, and then and then he said he thought that was exempt because it was like a prize. 
Oops. <laughs> I think it's taxed more, isn't it? <laughs> Somebody should have given him a 1099 or something. Yeah. They probably did. Who knows? Huh. We have um, to give it out for anything over 100 bucks. A hundred? I thought I it was so. six. Yeah, I thought it was six hundred. Maybe, maybe, it's, maybe it's a little bit more, but definitely we'd have to give it up for that. <laughs> yeah, it is tax time, by the way. Tax season is coming quickly. Um, as soon as I mention tax season, immediately I get this knot in my stomach that just really—it's um, unsettling. It makes me race for the Pepto Bismol. So. Um, Word to the wise, by the way, um, if you are going to try to buy a home or refinance a home next year and you're self-employed, always a good idea to sit down with your loan officer and your accountant and um, figure out if you're, uh, the way that you're doing your income and expenses and everything positions you well for, for qualifying. Um, don't have a goal and then sabotage yourself by writing off all those extra trips to the you know bahamas and under business expenses when they should actually not be included so that your income is legitimate and you can qualify for your loan um so i always like to talk to people about that all right um had to like basically fill time for that first half hour because i couldn't get my file to open up with all the uh notes that i have prepared for the show but i'm ready now um so let's let's start this next segment by saying, don't worry, it was really cold. That's the it's just been cold. It, you know, the polar vortex and everything. It it turns out that it has impacted an awful lot. And uh, basically, GDP, unemployment, um, home home values, new permits, new construction, construction, all this stuff just needed a blanket or something basically from December forward. So that's kind of the the umbrella that all this news is going to fall under, is it that it's not actually bad. It, the, uh, <laughs> the economy is still a bowl of cherries, and it's just been cold. So as soon as the sun comes out back east, we should be um, doing great again. Okay, Dan, February 8th at 1034, he made a reference to the poor vertex in the economy. <laughs> Yeah, man, I'm telling you. He does his homework. <laughs> it's cold. Let's start going through some of the data that will um, scapegoat the cold weather on uh, okay. for being lackluster. Um, yeah, we talked about this last week, I think. Um, in fact, I'm pretty sure we did. The, uh, the feds tapered as usual, right? It was expected. They they took um, so first of all quantitative easing the this new QE three twist that's a couple years old now um, they had an indefinite time period on how long they were going to buy eighty five billion dollars a month worth of uh, treasuries and mortgage backed securities turns out things got really good everything was looking good creating jobs unemployment drop in uh we saw appreciation in home values increased um activity and construction and um, existing sales and new home sales were all hitting good nice peaks people in fact started to say it's making me nervous because this is the start of a new bubble it's got to slow down or else we're in for new trouble so the feds came out and said they were going to taper. 
they met that promise in December um, by initiating a $10 billion reduction. That, I think, started the polar vortex. I'm not sure about how exactly those statements are related to Mother Nature, but that seemed to be the wet blanket um, thrown on everything. And then um, in December, the jobs report, like right on the heels of that, they did this because it was so strong. The jobs market was improving at such a sustained clip, as they described it. Um, we expected them to add almost 200,000 jobs nationally to the economy. <sighs> Do you have that button that's like, womp, 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 womp? 75,000 jobs were added in the month of December, right in line with the taper. So then two weeks ago, um, in right in the thick of all this nice cold weather, you know, ice storms, flooding, snow, freezing, below temperatures everywhere, um, we saw the Fed's taper again, took another $10 billion out. Some people were surprised. Most of the analysts that even said they weren't sure what the Feds were going to do chalked it up as as expected, the Fed's taper. Kind of. Kind of. I'm not going to say they were outright wrong. Um, but so this Friday, just yesterday, we got unemployment numbers, right? Um, yes, we did. Hey, and the stock market rallied because the unemployment rate fell ever so slightly to 6.6%, right? I mean, that's pushing into the 6.5% number that we said we were looking for as far as like really believing that these sustained improvements were um, here to stay. So the Dow went up yesterday. I was baffled by that. Were you tripped out by that? Um, no, no, no. Why not? I think... were the headlines stolen to the general public. Was the headline um, really believed that the unemployment rate fell? I don't think there's a direct correlation between the unemployment rate and what the stock market's doing. On, in even in just one day like that? No, because okay. it wasn't the first day that it turned around. It was up on Thursday as well. I think there's some element of it that there was a correction that, that was occurring in January and early February, and that was winding down. Maybe maybe not completely, but at least for those two days, there's you know maybe the thought that numbers aren't as great as we thought and that they're going to stop tapering because we know how the, lo the markets love their, their free money. I realize that... Um for me, we got to talk about this in layman's terms because I'm not an economist. Um, the Dow has to be tied to the strength of the U.S. economy, has to be tied to the outlook of a brighter tomorrow, has to be tied to expectations of increased earnings on the horizon. Um, December... Call it a fluke. 75,000 jobs when they expected 200,000. January, on the heels of that, um, we expected, uh, what was the expectation? 100 and... 175. I yeah, 175,000 jobs. And what we found there um, in the month of January was 117,000. I'm sorry, 113,000 jobs. Don't let me exaggerate that to be better. Um, that's a... That's terrible. 
That's really, really terrible. Um, the pace of job growth over the last three months now is is slowed dramatically. And um, I mean, 254,000 jobs. In 2013, we averaged 194,000 when you take all the months and just average it out together. That's a downward trend. So if we're um, failing to add jobs, how can we say that the economy is strong and that we expect tomorrow's profits to be good? It's, I think it's interesting. Um, all things equal, barring what you know over the whole month of January, typically a pretty crummy jobs report like this would lead to um, problems in the Dow. Uh, usually would lead to a flight to safety, people buying bonds, and would, would re result in a reduction of interest rates, ultimately. Um, I get what you're saying. It's not totally isolatable to you know just one piece of data, but um, that's, a, that's bad. It is bad. It's bad for our country. And I think the disconnect between growth of corporate America or corporations i shouldn't I, I corporations is that it's not dependent on what's going on in the united not states not only based on united so states so many of these growth companies have expanded worldwide and there there are other markets that are emerging and continuing to provide growth opportunities that what's going on here doesn't necessarily impact the bottom line that much i mean it does but it it's not all of it yeah well, what's interesting, too, is that the over that time that we've seen deceleration in, in job growth, we're seeing a pretty rapid decline in the unemployment rate. It's gone in the last two months from 7% now down to 6.6%. A lot of that's being chalked up to the expiration of long-term unemployment benefits and those folks simply falling off the, the metric altogether. Yeah, and, and the bottom line is, when you look at this, more important, I think, just dumbing all this stuff down to the lowest common denominator, you got to create jobs. And that's that's the reality here. We still haven't replaced all the jobs that were shed from the beginning of this recession. We're still well below it. And by the way, um, even through this recession, this may shock you to know, but people are still having babies. And birthdays. birthdays. Um birthdays too. Hmm. Yeah, there are people that were sixteen years old at the beginning of this recession that today are twenty three, twenty four years old. They're graduated from college. They're the new first time home buyers that are coming around. These people are out hunting for jobs and we're not adding them. So if you're not adding them, if the if the rate at which you're growing your labor force isn't keeping up with the rate at which you're having available jobs for your labor force, and then the metric is shown that the unemployment rate is falling, it you have to you have to look at that. You have to wonder where are these people going? Some are electing to not work, some are retiring, some are not being counted because they've been on unemployment so long that um I can only imagine it's political posturing to say, hey, don't count those people that have been on unemployment for the max term for their state or whatever. Uh, it, it doesn't look good for any of us. The reality is, is that we're not adding enough jobs to even keep up with population growth. That's a problem. So 
Um, pretty disappointing altogether. If you guys want to call in and weigh in on the conversation, you're welcome to. We'd love to hear from you. 543-8830 is the number. Um, you can ask a question live on the air. You could also uh, ask our engineer, Jim, the question. He'll share it with us. We can answer for you, so don't be shy. Um, you could even give a bogus name. Put on a fake mustache and say your name's Barry, and we'll be none the wiser. 543-8830. Take the first phone call here. Dan from Oceano. Good morning. Welcome to Mortgage Matters. Hey, how are you guys doing? Fabulous. How about you? Oh, I'm doing all right, you know, with this housing thing. Uh, on uh, one end of it, I'm sort of happy because uh, I own my house free and clear. And I, you know, did that filing under Prop 8, and at, and at least for a short reprieve, I've got my property taxes in half, which is sort <laughs> of neat. Yeah. But the thing I, I, I want to know, if there's any kind of a loan product out there, I'm free and clear on my house. And... Uh, you know, I went to the credit union to, you know, find out about trying to get a HELOC. Yeah, what's your name? To do some repairs. Yeah. And, uh, you, you know, the first thing out of the gate is the cost of having the thing appraised and doing all that stuff to get a HELOC. Is there any kind of product where, I mean, you just absolutely, you know, you own your home free and clear, and all you want to do is down the road maybe do some, you know, Personal. Uh, maintenance and then pay that loan back quick without having to go through all of the you know, all of the cost of just getting some sort of a, a loan originated. What kind of money are you looking for? Like ten thousand dollars or a hundred thousand dollars? I'm looking at well, this last time I looked at it and I was going, Well, I can credit card it, but I hate that kind of interest. Yep. And then I have a small business loan. I was looking at that and I just decided, hey, you know what? It's time to part with a few things. Go on eBay. So I just sold about ten thousand bucks worth of junk on eBay and took care of it that way. But, you know, down, you know, it just would be sort of neat that if something, if you could get some sort of a, a loan that you didn't have to pay, yeah, like ten, twelve thousand, you know, like you need a new roof and then pay it off. I, I would suggest that you look around at the different, um, different banks and credit unions. Um, oftentimes you can accomplish one of those line of credits for four or eight hundred dollars. Some of the banks here locally... Um, like Seslock, for example, they'll they'll work with staff appraisers, and the closing costs to do something that small is is a lot less than, um, you know, what you may have been quoted at the first place you went to. Well, that was Seslock. It was Seslock. Yeah, so then check just around. Sort of like, man, you got to go through the full appraisal. Yeah, and call all that stuff. Call Heritage Oaks Bank and see what they have to offer. They all they've right. been telling me lately to to ask. Uh, for HELOC referrals, um, we just don't do many of those lines of credit. It's it's not something um, that the banks they don't usually want a third party like us originating them. Um, well, I, and the one or two that we can do that kind of loan with, it's the same situation you're running into. They want a full appraisal, a full credit package. That you know you have to open um, escrow. You have to you know there's a lot of cost that goes into that process. You're going to spend you know, two to $3,000 well, yeah. to get $10,000, and it's just not worth it. Yeah, no, I mean, you know, that's the whole thing is it just sort of leaves the, I mean, like someone like me, I own my home free and clear. I've got an 800-plus, you know, credit score. I don't know anybody anything. Yeah, you're you're caught in this world right now, the mortgage world, where common sense does not prevail. It's we're we're run by the government right now. We're run we we have to conform to the standards set by Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and FHA, and all of those entities require full 
dock credit packages, including appraisals and preliminary title reports and, you know, all the due diligence that goes along with, with a, a large mortgage applies to you trying to get a small loan. So, you know, there's, there's no prepayment penalties on loans today. Uh, yeah, and here's, I, the, here's the other thing. I've, every time I've ever tried to get a loan, it's been on like a weird property or something. And almost been impossible to find a good loan. The first time in my life that I would have had no problem getting a loan was when I bought this place. I was looking for, you know, something to replace, and I asked my, you know, I asked my uh, lender, you know, that was handling it. I said, well, you know, I need to know what I can qualify for. And she told me I can buy a million-dollar house. Huh. I couldn't afford the payments on it, but it was all the wire loans. She yep. said, well, just do a stated income. You can buy now you can buy a million dollar house if you want. Yeah. So I just as an interesting um, creative solution for you, did this once before for a client that was in a pretty similar position. Um, you you know, you understand you've been listening to the show for a while, Dan. You understand this principle that you can take a higher interest rate, which generates a closing cost credit to pay your title and escrow and appraisal fees and all this, right? Oh no, I didn't. Oh yeah, you. If the prevailing rate today is four and a quarter, if you took four and three quarters, okay, you elect to take a higher interest rate, you get a closing cost credit of probably three percent. Three percent on a ten thousand dollar loan is chump change. That's not even going to cover the cost of the appraisal. But if say you borrowed a hundred thousand dollars, three percent is three grand. That will pay title, escrow, appraisal, all that stuff. But now you're sitting on a hundred thousand dollars. So what you do then is. When the first mortgage bill comes out, send those suckers 90 grand. Oh, there you go. Now you accomplish getting a really low closing cost loan. You have $10,000 left over, um, and you did it for effectively nothing. The problem is you're going to be amortized over that $100,000, right? So the $100,000 still amortized. It's going to cost you probably about five fifty a month or something like that. So your payment's going to be a little bit higher than had you just borrowed the ten grand, but it's not necessarily a terrible idea because it's going to make sure you pay it back at a pretty quick clip. You'll have that thing paid off in about two years' time. So no, but as soon as you pay that ninety ninety thousand, then you're only looking at that. Well, it's still being but a, they're still, still being calculating. They're charging you interest on the full hundred thousand. That's the problem with an amortized loan is well, that you're not going to reduce the the it, interest by paying down the principal. It, no, it's not that the interest is still going to be calculated. It, it's that it's fixed installments. Right. So you're basically you're paying the last 340 payments on the first payment and you're still going to make the first, you know, 20 payments, which is going to be 500 bucks a month. So all in all, the interest cost is still going to be pretty negligible, but it's they don't recast the amortization well, and, no, no, I mean, based on the fine. new I mean, you know, like, it's the kind of loan that I would be paying that kind of money. I mean, say say I bought, borrowed, you know, did that hundred thousand, and then knocked it down to ten. Then of course they're calculating that interest on that ten. Correct. But your payment is that's fine. So if it's a five hundred dollar payment, that's what I'd be expecting to pay. Yeah, and if it's your goal to bang it out pretty quick, the interest. Sure. So eh, that's an option for you anyway. If you want to explore it a little bit further, give us a call at the office. It's 543-LOAN. We could walk you through it. I sure will. You know, I see, that's how come I listen to this thing because, you know, that sounds like, you know, that's it. You try to borrow a small amount of money. Nobody wants to just loan you the small amount of money that you're going to pay back. By the way, the By banks. The way, you know, I mean. 
Banks would not be thrilled with this plan. I pay my bills, and in a way, that's sort of bad, I guess. <laughs> yeah, the banks would not be thrilled with this plan. But hey, I work for my clients, not the bank. So yeah. I, you know, we do we do work in um, loopholes where we can. All right. Hey, I never even thought of that. Hey, good good idea. Um, when it gets to that point, I'll give you guys a call. Sounds good. Thanks, Dan. Bye bye. Bye. Huh. We're talking this about jobs. Jobs, yeah. It's um, all about because of the weather, huh? Let me yeah. ask you this. Let me ask you this. We'll role play scenario here. You're you're a worker who's looking for a job. You really want a job. You bad. need work bad. Bad. My boots are on. Someone comes calling and says, "Hey, dude, we got a job for you, Jason." Too cold. You're man. the guy. You're like, no. It's too cold right now. I'm going to hold off until the weather warms up. I'd love I to go that dig job. that ditch for you today, but <laughs> my nose gets really cold and then my ears feel like they're burning. Um, See, that doesn't happen. So. I, don't, I don't think that that happens, but I do think, though. How about this? If, if you're, if you're the, the guy, though, the foreman that's about to bring in a crew to work out, um, you know, redoing this parking lot or building this strip mall or remodeling this commercial building or whatever it is if it's covered in ice and snow you're going to postpone doing that work take smaller jobs work inside uh the foreman guy probably doesn't even actually need the money that bad he'll sideline himself and his crew waiting for it to thaw out a little i think there's some of that that goes into this we've got a caller waiting patiently we've got travis in san luis obispo welcome to the show Hey, good morning. Morning. I mean, just on your last part there, definitely things like um, outdoor construction and everything from really California and East, they plan all that stuff to do during the summer. You can't do maybe. Sure. But, I mean, it probably does affect it, but I don't know if that's normally figured in or not yeah you know they it, there is some seasonality that's figured into to these numbers you know the other thing though is the flip side of the coin is when it gets super cold we're selling a lot of heating oil we got the heating contractors out in full force they're working you know 20 hour days trying to get people's heat working correctly um the plow guys are busy at work we're selling more salt and cinders for the roads we got plow guys on staff i mean there how much commerce is created because there's cold weather um it, so it is, it is kind of funny that it gets scapegoated on cold weather, but you can't deny this. All the headlines you look at say that it it's at least in part attributed to cold weather. I think but, it's funny. And then the other thing is the $86 billion a month that they're uh, buying bonds. Basically, the way I understand it, I'm not an economist, obviously, but um, I mean, they're just pulling, you know, on a computer, they're printing essentially printing that much more money and giving it to the banks, and then the banks are not really loaning it out, so they're investing it into the stock market, such, which is part of the reason I wonder if the stock market is so inflated and it's so volatile, because if they say, hey, we're not going to have this $86 billion a month to put into the stock market, um, then you know, the prices are so inflated, because historically the price-to-earnings ratio of the stocks is really high. Right. So I think that I'm afraid that could be the next bubble. Yeah, I think under the new Basel requirements, you're not going to find that there are too many banks that are investing money into 
stock investments and things like that. I, you know, and I, I think a lot of the companies that are sitting on gobs of cash, like Google, um, Apple, they're, they're hanging on to cash in in cash. It's not in the stock market. I, I'm not positive that, that I just subscribe to that line of thinking, um, in terms of the money that the, that the feds are buying, um, mortgage backed securities and treasuries with, yeah, it goes out. It's not going to banks, though. Not necessarily it's, just to banks. Well, I mean, it goes somewhere. It's going to the the government selling bonds to raise money for the government. That's the government borrowing money by printing money, and then they're going to have to repay that at some point. And that's the concern. That's what's adding to our federal and in debt and by way so that that takes care of half of these numbers because half of it is the treasury actually buying bonds the other half is mortgage-backed securities buying mortgage-backed securities it's it's offering liquidity to banks for selling an asset right which so they, they're going to then take and go make more loans if they make similar 20 type. million dollars worth of loans the feds step in and buy 20 million plus the profit margin the bank now has their capital back and can go seek it's out more borrowers. for mortgage, mortgage loans. So I think that money is being recycled to the consumer for the purpose of making more mortgages. Right. Um, because there is a little bit of a confidence issue when it comes to buying mortgage-backed securities. Those haven't been the best performing um, asset, over at least the the vintage that was produced in the the early 2000s the stuff that's being produced now is really good and the the government's willing to buy that to show how confident they are in the newer mortgages being originated hopefully inspiring confidence among the more traditional buyers to get While back into providing the liquidity and and basically getting that money out to the street because if you can't sell it if you're wells fargo and you do a hundred million dollars worth of loans and there are no buyer because the market's spooked now your hundred million is tied up and you can't lend more. And that's that's where the credit markets were frozen. So that absent of that money, um, the banks wouldn't have as much to turn around or you need to attract more private investors to come and buy those notes. And those firms want a better premium than three and 4% 30 year fixed. That's a fact. But isn't that how banks used to survive that? They used to loan out money hold the loan in their vault or whatever, then they earn the 6% or whatever it used to be. Yeah, in theory, but that was why they use a lot of adjustable rate loans and stuff that were short-term, encourage you to refi and get rid of it. Hey, Travis, we're getting forced out to the uh, top of the hour break here. Thanks for your phone call. I really appreciate you listening and participating. Guys, we got to take this quick commercial break. Uh, we'll be back in a few minutes. We do have a lot more to talk about. Hope that you'll stick around. You're listening to Mortgage Matters on KVEC. You're tuned in to Mortgage Matters, which airs every Saturday from 10 a.m. to noon. Your hosts, Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending, want you to join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, back to the show. His eyes are cold and restless. 
All right, welcome back to Mortgage Matters. It's 11.05, February 8th. So, yeah, it's a live show. Now I just said that. If we replay this show in the future, somebody's going to be like, no, it's not. He lied. Today it's live. This time it's live. We do the show live most times. I mean, I, we really only take and rerun maybe four or five shows a year, I think. And it's been a long run. We're in the fifth year now, right? I think we are... April will be our sixth. We'll have done it for six full years. That's wild. So, yeah, we're we're in our sixth year right now. Time flies when you're having fun. It really does. You guys just resigned, too, didn't you? Not too long ago, right? Resigned? Resigned. Oh, yeah. Resigned. Yeah. Yes, yes. Resigned. So no, you're, yeah. You're we with us for another year, at least. At least. Yep. Yeah. There you go. It's so fun. I mean, who wouldn't want to do this every Saturday for life? I, you? For life? Well, yeah. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't sign that long of a contract. Yeah. When are you going <laughs> to? When are you going to stop? I don't know. You know, the body breaks down over time. At some, <laughs> some point, you know, it just got to bring up the young rookie to take over. Yeah, but you know the this the replacements like seldom as good as the original. We get a lot of feedback from people that have done shows like this in the past and they they always commend us on keeping it fresh and exciting and I'm just afraid that a replacement, you know, just might not have the same enthusiasm, creativity and ability to keep a fresh edge. That's what worries me. I lay awake at night worrying about that. Maybe, uh, you know, you could remain kind of in the background coming up with story ideas. and As he puts the eye drops in his eyes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he laid awake worrying about it last night. <laughs> hey, I, I, I'm a couple months post-LASIK, so I have to keep my eyes lu lubricated. Um, they cut all the p nerves in your eyes that tell it to, like, make tears and soften, you know? Um, and which, by the way, the LASIK's been pretty epic. I have 2015 vision in both eyes for the first time, I think, ever in my life. Wow. Yeah. You, you have good vision, so you can't even have sympathy. You don't know what it means to not be able to see. Damn you, good genes. All right. Um, hey, there's other info here. Um, GDP has been talked about lately. I think this one's worth mentioning. Wait, 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 wait. Let's talk about weather some more. Yeah, oh yeah. So, just, you know, I I did the you're a guy looking for work. It's cold, you don't want to go to work. That doesn't really happen usually. No, I don't think How so. How about much. you're the employer? You're the employer. You've got so much dem you're the local widget factory maker. You you don't make widget factories, you make widgets in right. your factory. And there's a huge demand for your widgets. Best yeah. widgets in in the country yeah bar none lots of people want your widgets you don't have enough drivers to get them to the shelves you don't have enough salespeople out marketing them you need to hire more people but it's too cold to hire more people no joke though there are a lot of places where they're not sending trucks out in spite of having to the cities are like on lockdown they're canceling school because the conditions and roads are just too now. icy we've got drone deliveries 
Oh, we're never going to convince Dan that like the frozen tundra of a country over there. Is... I think there's there's this there's always some kind of scapegoat explanation, some explanation for why something's better or worse than what it was expected to be. Well, of and course, it's... our country is driven by consumer spending, which is directly tied to consumer confidence. And when you start running headlines that say, hey, yeah, it sucks. Uh, this stuff's bad. Uh, we we thought it was on track, but it appears to have been derailed now. Um, people will lose confidence and, and buckle down and stop spending. So what you have to do is say, hey, sheep of America, um, it's been terrible. Three months in a row of crap job production, but don't worry. It's just because it's cold. Keep spending money. Everything's going to be fine. That I mean... And you know this is true because what you saw over in terms of this jobs report was, hey, bust out the bubbly pal. The unemployment rate went down. That was a, that was around a lot. Just the nothing else, no mention of whatever. Or good news, the unemployment rate fell. The economy added one hundred seventeen thousand jobs. Now back to you in sports. Wait a minute. What 117 is like logic suspended in nothingness. What is what is 117? Is that above or below? Is that an A or a D? We don't understand anything about it, but everybody knows the unemployment rate going down is the B's knees. That's what we need. We need the lowest unemployment rate you can get. And even if it means that it's because we've got, you know, 40 million people out of work and no good end in sight to getting those people back to work the bottom line is the number dropped and that's hey crack the bubbly that's i think what the the mass media does here because people don't want the actual fact and truth of the matter that it's a little freaky they want to be able to say it's just because of the weather yeah man it's just the weather you it'll can... be back sure it'll be back we'll be hiring again soon well I was over at um, Central Coast Surfboards yesterday, one of my favorite local uh, businesses. We were talking about the business climate over there. Can't keep the shorts and flip-flops on the shelf, man. They're flying out. By the way, all that snow gear they stocked up on, it's kind of a problem. They're not selling... <laughs> Uh, they're not selling snow bibs. They're selling sunglasses. It ain't cloudy. It's sunny. And and that has impacted to some degree. Um, and see, for me, and I think you see this the same way. Um, yeah, Travis mentioned this too. I grew up in a construction family. You plan to work inside during the winter. If you're a painter, you do all your exteriors in the summer. You get all that ready. You paint inside during the winter. You do cabinet refinishing. You do touch-up painting and all that all that stuff inside. It just makes sense. And guys that understand this plan for that, it's an essential thing. If you're a roofer, um, you do big roofing projects in the summer. When the rains come, you're dispatched to go do patch jobs. It's just part of it. Um, so when you're not selling enough snow pants because it's, 90 degrees in January, you're selling more sunglasses. Doesn't it all weigh out um, to be equal at some point? It seems like it should to me. Uh, like I said, cinders, salt, plowers, heaters, all that stuff, all that comes. So you think the weather is a, 
a not a valid excuse either. I don't. That's okay. why I said I think it's it's funny that all of this data seems to blame bad weather, and it w makes me wonder if um, the folks giving us this data think we're dumb. <laughs> yes, they do. I think they do. Well, we know better. <laughs> hey, I've been saving these couple of articles for a few weeks now. I can't seem to get the state and local um, unemployment data at the same time as the national stuff. So just to put it all into context, we've gone over the national numbers. We're down to a 6.6 .6 unemployment rate nationally. California in December dropped to 8.3%. Um, one of the bright spots in California is that construction jobs are the fastest growing um, in California. It grew at a, a just under 5% annual rate, um, which was the highest out of all sectors. Locally, the county's jobless rate in December was down to 5.6%. Last December, it was at 7.2%. So that's a pretty big drop in the unemployment rate locally um, and we are now the fifth best cal county in california out of 58 i think we've been sixth or seventh best so now we're fifth best um so everything's kind of trending in the same direction it seems like that's good unemployment rates going down i've been seeing help wanted signs around town Seems like there are, are folks that need worker bees. Hey, do you want to talk about that minimum wage stuff? Dude, we never talked about State of the Union. Did you watch State of the Union? I did, yeah. What'd you think? Thought. No, nah, don't for, get all political. For purposes on me. of our show, I just thought it kind of lacked lacked much about the economy. I <laughs> yeah. really seemed to steer clear of any real economic issues. I didn't really notice. There was nothing that stood out to me that I thought we could talk about on our show. Yeah, agreed. I watched too. And, you know, in all honesty, I, I watched because I had hoped there was some messages in there that had me reassured that the president was instructing Congress to, to deal in things that affect us and um, the people's concerns and fears as a whole. And I didn't, I didn't feel like we got too much of that. Um, it, to me, the minimum wage thing um, kind of feels like gives them an opportunity to talk policy a little bit. And it sounds cool, I guess. But I, for the most part, I feel like the minimum wage people are kids, teenagers, young people, and then... You know, and statistically, that that's true. The majority of people that hold those jobs are not, um, you know, over 25 years old, less than 55 years old, like trying to take care of, uh, you know, themselves or household and family and all that stuff. So I felt like it was just kind of a distraction. And, we, and yeah, it caused a lot of people stand up and sit down. I saw a lot of clapping and a lot of like scorns and stuff like that. Um, Biden was really entertaining. He, they must have given him extra medicine or something that day because he was like giggling and just super happy a lot. Uh, but altogether, I, I really was disappointed that the whole thing lacked an awful lot of um, substance. And at this time where people are pretty um, 
disappointed, I think, in the, the government in its current state if, you know, in terms of what Congress has been able to accomplish lately. We keep seeing all these sandbox temper tantrums over, you know, the, the two parties slugging out who's the bigger moron. And I, I thought there was an opportunity maybe to to really try to connect again. And then we talked about something that, that didn't really resonate with me at all. So, I don't know. State of the Union really... Yeah, it seemed like a just opportunity to talk about things on the surface and get a lot of clapping. I thought the, my favorite moment was there was a brief moment where I was reminded about how great our country is because of all the opportunity that's that's ripe for for people to take advantage of. Anyone can rise up in our country, and there was a reminder that you know. Speaker of the House Boehner was the son of a barkeep. And, you know, like all these guys who are the most powerful men in our country were sons of just regular guys, regular modest families, and they've they've worked their way to the top of, of political power in our country. And I think that's pretty, pretty cool. It's a good reminder um, that opportunities out there. Our country presents opportunity every day, and it's up to you to go out and grab it. Hey, there was um, some home home price data that came out. Um, Why is this song happening right now? Do you know what song this is? Blame it on the rain. Yeah, we're <laughs> we're going into the next little. Uh, piece I see you two here. giggling over there, and it's like hard to even keep my concentration. I was looking we down we here. Don't, we don't lip sync the radio show though. Just no. so. I was looking down here at my notes. Um, Construction spending came out a little less than expected, barely rising, um, pointing to a further loss of steam in the economy. You know what they said? Weather. Blame it on the rain. <laughs> it's the weather. Blame it on the rain. We'll get them next week, guys. <laughs> yeah, just need some sun to come out. Um, <laughs> there was a couple of things here though uh, in terms of home values that were posted kind of interesting first of all the fhfa home price index for november came out um are do we still care about november i mean it, <laughs> didn't sure. we I put, but if that's see, the most recent you've got, I'll take it. But see, there's this lag. This just came out, as did the S&P Case-Shiller Home Price Index. That one has a two-month lag as well. Um, these guys should probably like retool or maybe just spend a, a weekend a month trying to catch up so they can give us like relevant recent data. Um, November is so long ago, and a lot has changed since then. Don't you agree? Totally. I mean, it has. Yeah. November was on the heels of the good job creation and the government rolling out taper because we had sustained improvement and all this. Everything was like gangbusters. Yeah, why aren't these guys tweeting us the February 8th data? They should. They should be. They should be tweeting. So the FHFA home price index showed that um, it Instagram was... Instagram me a graph or something. Expected to be plus 1%. Okay. And it rose to a seasonally adjusted. So this takes into consideration the rain now, doesn't it? Um, a seasonally adjusted 0.1%. Significantly less than what they hoped for. Um, and 
these numbers basically indicate that there's a slowing price growth, that housing is no longer appreciating at the rate that it was. Um, yes, it's accepted that home values went up by 12% in 2013, but like depending on where you draw the line, seven to 8% of that happened in the first six months of the year when those interest rates were still down at 3%. So it did cool off a little bit, um, but this seasonally adjusted number for the month of November, which strikes me as significantly better than the numbers we're gonna see for January and February, was still lackluster. Um, yeah, but I don't think it's bad. I think no. we, we experienced the perfect environment for for home prices to rebound. We had had five years of prices falling because of the foreclosure and short sale epidemic that hit our country. We get into this point where the the pain is slowing and stopping. Rates are still at rock bottom. Home prices are at rock bottom. There's opportunity. People are seizing that opportunity. For 18 months, we saw a housing boom where people are crawling all over each other to buy homes. And then rates popped up a percent, and that all cooled off. And now, hopefully, what I'm hoping Just is that we're getting into stable new normal. We're getting into stable. If it if home prices rise at you know 0 0.1, 0 0.2, 0 0.3% a month, perfect. So check this out. We're in California, obviously. Um, this is a national number that I'm about to give you right now, but I this surprised me. This says that um, prices remain 8.9% below their April 2007 peak price. That surprise you? That it's that high? Yeah. Yeah. Only 8.9% below? Yeah. There's a, there's a big part of me that believed that those highs in home prices were so a product of easy money that it just wasn't it wasn't an accurate representation of what housing was worth and for it to so quickly rebound to near those levels is kind of surprising i thought it would take 20 years to get there no oh, and i think there are still some places where it will yeah you know like you there are places you can stomp around california where they did experience 60 70 percent decline in property value and and they're they're not even close to back to that. So I, I do I do think though it's kind of a relief to see that nationally this number is single digits less than what it was after being absolutely double digits across the board everywhere. Um, and by the way, the FHFA home price index is one that um, I like because it it takes into consideration the database of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. When appraisals are done today, basically in the last few years, all of the updates and changes, these appraisals are actually, their form is uploaded um, right into the database. And so generally these home price index only reflect what um, sales data says. These actually take into consideration the values of appraisals under a refinance transaction. and. That does represent, obviously, a lot more of the housing stock. 
Um, it shows you nuances of neighborhoods with a little bit more clarity. It shows you condition upgrades and, and view upgrades and things. Differences, and likewise, if a property's in an area with where there is some negative attributes to that side of the tracks, these kinds of things come out a little bit more. And so all in all, the data set that goes into the FHFA home price index, I think is a little bit more dependable and widespread than that of only looking at um, sales transactions, especially in an era where 40% of the home sales that are happening are all cash. Those guys aren't held to an appraisal standard. They don't know, other than fair market representation, whether or not the value of what they're buying is in line, either below or above market. So, um, yeah, that's another one. Um, I, I mentioned this before, so just real quick. The Case-Shiller Home Price Index, also that same two-month lag, giving November um, data here saying that Home prices in the 20 city index rose by the most in eight years, November 12 to November 13. The index boosted 13.7%. Um, and um, that's a huge gain. So, yeah, I, I'm a little bit dismissive of the November data because I know things have cooled further since then. Um, but that's some housing stuff. Probably uh, when things warm up a little bit, we'll see these things get better. Just a little less rain, a little less ice, a little more home sales. That's probably what we should expect. Um, hey, it's 11.26. We're going to go ahead and take a commercial break. You're listening to Mortgage Matters. We hope that you'll continue to do so after this break. To ask a question or make a comment, call 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Mortgage Matters on KVEC News Talk 920. We'll be back after these messages from our sponsors. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso, Morro Bay, San Luis Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley & Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley & Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley & Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. What a state of generosity, look what my agent got for me, just by switching to State Farm. A few hundred unexpected bucks, I couldn't ask for more, but now I've got to figure out what I should use it for. A new bike would be radical, but maybe something practical, like a pet baboon with one robotic arm. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. 
Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. I haven't heard this song in so long, and now it's the second time today. You should. You should. Yeah. Get yourself a Milli Vanilli, you know, go Spotify or Pandora, one of those, and just sit down and just check you out some Milli Vanilli. It's a good music. Am I forgetting how good they were? Yeah. (laughs) Well, or they're, they're singers. Well, yeah. no, I, <laughs> don't watch the music videos because the two portrayed in the videos are not the ones that actually sang this. However, the the singers here, I mean, it was, it was an actual people singing. They just weren't good looking, I guess. Uh, that's how it was chalked up anyway. Uh, Got to blame it on something. That's it's just so fitting. This one, when we upload it to the website, we're going to name this episode Blame It on the Rain. <laughs> it's just so fitting. So fitting. Um, there was another little uh, dealio last week that came out showing the... Um, and, and this was this was an interesting one. Um, you remember when the Dow this, this last week, the Dow went down by like 200 and something? You saw that. Sure. Cause it's gonna challenge the logic a little bit of what you said earlier. Is that the Dow is comprised of companies that don't only depend on US soil or US consumption to be profitable. So a data set coming out isn't just going to impact um it, something based on the US isn't gonna impact the Dow um directly in theory um that drop was attributed to the institute of supply management number that came out um this number is it's kind of a funny thing because a a manufacturing number like this is usually viewed as like a secondary or tertiary data set where it's like it doesn't actually generally move the market but this one, headlines, as you looked up different um, regurgitations of this news here, showed that um, it hit a cliff, fell off a cliff, this number, um, showing that uh, a 56-month low and a decline, um, showing that basically manufacturing and the economy is bad. It's really bad. And I think this ties well into that GDP number too, because GDP was strong in the fourth quarter. And one of the biggest reasons why that data wasn't totally celebrated is because companies were stockpiling inventory. And it kind of makes sense to me when I, I, I look at it in this light, come through the summer months where, hey, 
things are really clipping along. Even interest rates are starting to go up now. Home prices are going up. Employment numbers have been strong. Maybe we finally are turning this corner. The Fed is talking about removing the stimulus and the sky isn't falling. Um, so in that fourth quarter, um, manufacturers, they produced more. They filled shelves with inventory and it drove almost a, a false reading into GDP is how it's being viewed. And the reason why is in the first quarter of 2014 here, they won't be stockpiling the shelves. So we may see a pretty hefty little dip in GDP because those numbers weren't representative of what we were actually consuming. And now it feels like things slowed down a little bit. So all of that kind of being the case made this number kind of a primary data number. And when it came out, it really did shock the market. It, gab it grabbed headlines all over the place. Um, this one though, a true, a true quote here, I'll, I'll read it to you. Um, markets are always held captive by the latest reports. We can ignore today's decline. It is due to inclement weather. <laughs> We really have to wait to see if the number bounces back after the weather warms back up in the next few months. Manufacturing caught a cold this month, keeping our fingers crossed that it's not the start of something more serious. So a little, a little inkling of we'll have to make sure that this isn't the beginning of a detrimental trend. However, blame it on the rain. I mean, seriously, most all of this stuff that's been bad news has been blamed on the weather. And I just... I have such a hard time connecting all of those dots. It doesn't make that much sense to me. But that was that was what the that first part of losses in the Dow early in the week were were blamed on. Let's see what else here. Oh, Thursday was initial jobless claims. Surely you saw that. That's always Do you wake up on Thursday morning and like grab your phone and go straight to see what happened with the jobless claims? I don't. Oh. <laughs> Weird. Oh, it's just me. <laughs> I assumed if there was anybody else around that would do it, it was you. Um, initial jobless claims were expected higher, um, and they came up, uh, came out even higher. So that's interesting. So all the news is is not great, and it's been not great for two months. It's been blamed on the weather for two months. So the question that's come up repeatedly over the last couple of weeks or months is, you know, did the Fed act too soon by cutting back on their quantitative easing plan? And will they backtrack and start adding back? Will they go back to where they came from with quantitative easing? The answer so far has been no. And it was clarified a little bit this week by one of the um, one of the regional uh bankers saying that it would take a major event something very bad um whether it be a unemployment report excuse me employment report a mm. manufacturing number something something very telling and very obviously problematic devastating for them to um reverse course on on the quantitative easing tapering that they're they're currently doing the plan is is to get out by the end of the year it's going to be all done by the end of the year and nothing is derailing that train um except for horrible horrible economic event 
it was made clear this week. So check it out. If you're watching the bond market and you understand that this stuff at its most basic level is supply and demand, right? How much of these bonds are available for sale? Because there are portfolios that need bonds in them for the safety and dependability, the the lack of risk of losing principal, all this kind of thing, right? And how much of it's available? So in other words, when they put this stuff out to auction, are people going to fight to bid for it and give a, a hefty premium? Um, you would expect that when the Fed announces that they're bailing out of this stuff and they're going to go from buying, um, you know, what, what is it right now? Two and a half, two billion dollars, two and a half billion dollars a trading session is when is the pace at which this stuff is moving. And they're saying, Hey, we're on a course to stop buying this stuff. I would just expect that those, that the, yields then start climbing radically don't you the guy that's buying two and a half billion a day ain't coming soon he's not gonna come so somebody else is gonna come in and say well i'll buy it but they're not the government they don't have the ability to just print money right so they're gonna get they need a good return for it. they need to make sure that it's not going to get clobbered by inflation they need to make sure that it's a good investment um It's been just the opposite though. We began this year, December 31st, the 10 year treasury yield closed out at 3.03%. That's higher than we'd seen it in quite some time. Um, the bond yield yesterday was 2.67. That's less than it was when they announced the taper. So. I think that that's pretty interesting. Um, the yields here don't really reflect the fact that we've got a major buyer bailing out. And to me, it suggests that the market recognizes there are rocky roads ahead and the flight to quality, flight to safety of bonds is still important in investor portfolios. Well, we have a phone call here. Let's uh, take Gary's call from Tascadero. Good morning. Welcome to Mortgage Matters. Hi, how you doing? Love your guys' show. Thank you. Hey, um, I, I was listening to your comments about um, how they were talking about the weather is having an effect on this. Um, and I think that that's a small part of it, but I think that's kind of a smokescreen for what's really going on. And I, I, I still think they don't want to talk about this, but I think the health care situation is a real anchor in the movement of what's going on with homes and things because people – uh, they came out, well, the CBO came out last week and said up to 2.5 million jobs in the next couple of years are going to be lost based upon uh, what's going on with the health care. And, and also last week they came out from the Treasury and said that they needed more money printed again and um, that it, it has to be done fairly quickly. So I think there's a lot of uncertainty out there with people right now, especially with their health care. They, they don't know whether it's going to go up or what's going to be happening. They're going to be penalized. And I think this uncertainty with what's going on there and and also, like, like you guys were talking about the State of the Union the other day, and they came out and said that all the facts that were mentioned by the president were totally false. Yeah. And, and I think when people hear this and they see what's going on with health care and stuff, they're, they're very unsure about jumping into 
something as large as buying a new home or an investment property. Um, and they're, they're kind of holding off, I think, to try to see what's going to happen this next year. That's my opinion. Yeah, I think you're right about that. And, you know, the other thing is that right now, just just starting this next week is when home buying season really ramps up. This is where people are through the holidays, um, <laughs> the inclement weather. You know, if you're going to have open houses and strangers bouncing through your property, you really want it to be when it's not rainy and snowy. Um, so this spring season, we're getting ready to start prepping a house inventory for um, spring sales season. And I think that'll be really telling to see how many people do come out and offer their home up for sale. It's a, it's good evidence of how existing homeowners, which are a very different group than new home buyers or first time home buyers, but their confidence in selling in the current market and being able to replace their home at a good value and the, you know, whether or not they're getting a loan. Um, and at the same time, like you mentioned healthcare, Yes. I'll tell you, I, I worry about this a lot. Um, I'm a single income family of five and healthcare is something that is a, a major budget item in my household. And um, I don't wonder if it's going to go up. I worry how much it's going to go up. It goes up right. like crazy. Every time I go to the mailbox right now, I open up something from Anthem Blue Cross of California, and it's an announcement of yet another premium increase. And there's been no expansion of benefits. And at our age um, of my family, and you know, the kids do go to the doctor every once in a while, but for the most part, we're not using the benefits that we have um, to at all justify its current costs. So to see this continually going up while my participation um, doesn't increase, the benefits don't seem to be any better. I mean, I, I, I haven't found notice that my copay has been reduced or my prescription drug coverage has increased. I've seen no added benefit come to me whatsoever, but the premiums have already um, nearly doubled for the most part in my household. So um, that's exactly right. It and, freaks and me out. You're not alone there because there are millions of people out there in that same situation where they're paying up to three times as much and they're getting less for it. They aren't able to keep their doctors. If they have a major problem already, they where you know, there's a trust with their doctor that they, they, they've got this person that they feel good about. And they, they, that doctor doesn't take this new plan or they have to lose that doctor and their plan. There's, there is so much, uh, I think there's a lot of people out there are very afraid of taking any steps because they don't know if they're going to be able to hold on to what they have now. Like Just like you're saying, you, you, you don't know three months from now if you're going to be hit with this huge bill for medical and you aren't, um, you aren't going to be able to pay that much more. No. And so I, I think a lot of people are real worried about this. And uh, I don't think that's going to go away this year. I, I think you, I agree with you. Usually things start picking up in the spring for sales. But I know I, I sell certain kinds of items on, my, my, on the side also. And I found that over the last year, there has been a real lag on anybody buying anything um, that's not absolutely necessary. So I agree with you. I, I think that uh, things are not going to be as positive as people may think they're going to, or as we're being told that they are. Uh, I think that uh, a lot of that is smoke, smoke and screens. You know, it's yesterday. Yeah, I, we have to dig into and look what's really going on here. Yesterday, I was talking to Susan Polk from Susan Polk Insurance. She has 
been an agent there for like 37 years or something. She knows more about healthcare than anybody I know. And she said that um, on the first uh, Anthem Blue Cross California, the hold time for a phone call was 180 minutes. And yeah. in a single day, they received 1 million emails. My, my son called two days ago on Anthem, because he has that also. And he was trying to get an answer to a question. He was trying to get his medical records for a doctor. It took him two and a half hours to get anybody to even answer the phone. Yep. And, and I told him, I said, well, he, and I said, what's going on here? Because I've never had this kind of a problem before getting a hold of my insurance people. And he goes, there are so many people trying to figure out what's going on with these plans and stuff that the lines are just jammed. And um, that brings, when you have that, that brings a lot of uncertainty with people and a lot of fear. Yep. And I think that's where we're at as a, as a, not just here, this is all over the country. I think people are very afraid of what's going on right now. Yeah, agreed. And um, it, it definitely feels like we're in this period of um, flux and transition where I don't know that anybody really knows what to expect. I mean, we've seen extreme government intervention in the financial markets and now they're unwinding that the the dow and you know these other investments were doing really good but the it's the earnings ratio that's way out of whack in most places look at at two three hundred point drops already this year yeah and in the last two years there was only one of those so something's going on and there's a lot of uncertainty with the stock market i was listening to the uh some of the financial shows yesterday and they were talking to the big these big investors the billionaire investors and um, it was really interesting because they're talking about all these these components that are going on in the market right now. But they're 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 being very cautious on what their investments are because there's no telling what's going to happen in two days. You know, right. I mean, it can be way up or it can be way down, and that's not a good sign. In that, that's one thing I can say that before the quantitative easing measures began. Dan and I, we used to joke that day traders must just be casting themselves off of bridges like every hour. It was so crazy, the volatility up triple digits one day, down triple digits the next. To find a day in the market that was flat or within a 1% range was very unusual. And then once we saw the feds come in and and start making some movement to, to thaw credit markets and at least provide a little bit of confidence and stability, we saw that that erratic nature kind of smoothed out, and um, I think I think it just kind of almost went under the radar because we expect that to be the norm. And lately, I'm feeling that again that there's a there's an erratic nature and volatility in the markets um, where it's it just does make it harder to predict, and and altogether it it shakes people's confidence for sure. Yeah, and just one last thing. I just want to say this idea of printing more money again. We just did this not too long ago, and they want now. There's this big demand for the treasury. We got to print some more. That's that is going to affect the economy again, also. So, I think that um, it's going to be. I think this year is going to be a pivotal year. Uh, Whether we can come out of this slump as a country, or if we're going to get deeper into it, and uh, I don't. I don't feel too positive about it right now. Well, hopefully it'll get better for all of us. Gary, thanks for your call. Thanks for listening. We definitely appreciate your participation. Um, 
Hey, we got to do the final commercial segment of the show. When we get back, uh, we definitely have more to talk about. We'll wrap up the final 10 minutes or so of the show. So stick around for more Mortgage Matters. Mortgage Matters with host Dan and Jason will be right back. Join the conversation by calling 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. For those of us who live here on the Central Coast, we know this is a unique place to have a home. And for over 30 years, Patterson Realty has been a vital part of San Luis Obispo County. Patterson professionals have led the way in real estate by adapting to new market conditions to make sales happen. What they offer is the quality of their people, agents working just for you. Get the experts at Patterson Realty on your side. Experience the Patterson difference. Call 544-8662 or online at pattersonrealty.com. The state of denial is a drag and a trial. When I bought my cheap insurance, should have known this day would come. Now I've had an accident and I'm feeling quite alone. Called them at least 20 times, but they won't pick up the phone. Without personal service, my policy's kind of worthless. Get to a better state, State Farm. Switch to State Farm and you can save. To find out more in San Luis Obispo, call Agent Susan Rodriguez. Through seven presidential administrations, bull and bear markets, and unprecedented change, Blakesley and Blakesley has been here helping residents of the Central Coast reach their financial goals. So if you need retirement advice beyond Social Security, want to roll over an old 401k, or simply seek guidance through an important financial decision, visit Blakesley and Blakesley in San Luis Obispo, Paso Robles, and Santa Maria. Blakesley and Blakesley, for the service you deserve and the advice you trust. Member FINRA and SIPC. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending, Central Coast Lending. When you buy or refinance a home, just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. Just call 543-LOAN. We're the mortgage experts on the Central Coast. Central Coast Lending. Central Coast Lending is locally owned and operated with locations in Paso, Morro Bay, San Obispo, and Arroyo Grande. Central Coast Lending, the mortgage experts. Welcome back. You're listening to Mortgage Matters with hosts Dan and Jason from Central Coast Lending. If you want to join the conversation, call the show at 543-8830 or 800-549-5832. Now, here's Dan and Jason. Oh, because I said day traders were jumping off of bridges. That's it. Is how you did that, or is it just coincidence? I think it's coincidence, but yeah. hey, man, hey, let's go with it. This this poor Jim, he's been enduring this show as long as we've been doing it, and uh, it's got to just be like a snooze fest after a no, while. No, 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 it's all right. No, it's all right. I, 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 right. I got to come up with different hooks. It doesn't make me nauseous anymore, if that's what you're asking. It never made me nauseous. I've been falling asleep with my eyes open in a year. <laughs> hey, I really appreciate right. that call from Gary last segment. It's good to get those those testimonials from people about how they're feeling, what they think is um, affecting the economy. We have our opinions, but we're just two guys in a room. Yeah. There's lots of millions and trillions of you out there that also have opinions, and we like to hear them from time to time as well. Um, millions and trillions of opinions <laughs> millions billions and trillions um one of the other things you know healthcare is obviously a big uncertainty that's looming uh, something we haven't mentioned today is the debt limit the debt ceiling oh yeah that's coming up here in march technically um right technically the deadline passed it was friday 
Oops. Friday the 7th. But um, the Treasury Secretary can use what are called extraordinary measures hmm. to string us along for another three weeks. So the actual deadline the, the is uh, February 27th. That's when we're truly out of money. That's February why I 27th. thought it was later um, because, of, of course, somebody could step in and do something. Yeah, we have extraordinary measures to carry us through nearly the end of the month. But this has been a bit of uncertainty that has been lingering around for years now. I mean, this comes up every three to six months where we have to readdress this problem because we've only kicked the can down the road. Jim, are you recording this? I am. You're going to love this one. Okay. A very influential man in my life um, back when I was like 20, this guy Dave Lee, mm -hmm. and uh, he's just had a way with words. Was the last name Roth? No. <laughs> That's funny, though. That's what yeah, we called them. You know. um, when your outflows exceed your income, then your upkeep will be your downfall. There's another Jasonism. I mean, but just isolate that. Seriously, though, <laughs> look, I knew you'd get a kick out of it. That's why I asked you. Okay. But honestly, I mean, this is what we're facing. The, the fact of the matter is, is that we're spending more money than we're taking in. We're operating at a deficit and we've got a extreme debt. So keeping, we actually had a surplus last month. California or nationally? National. Why? Um, a, a big chunk of the surplus was due to the quarterly payment from Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. All right. But we were still positive without that. All right. It'd be nice if we didn't have to raise the debt ceiling. Agreed. <laughs> In fact... Wouldn't it be something if you pulled up one of those uh, debt clock ticker things and, and it, it was going moving? down? <laughs> no, no. Not moving is impossible unless they make the interest rate 0%, right? But to see it going down? Check in. Going to open up here in the month of May and see that the, the debt went down by, you know, a couple hundred billion. That'd be pretty sweet. What are the odds? Not. It's not even on the horizon at all. So, yeah, that, that's coming. And, and don't you think that that's going to get some headlines, by the way? I think it's going to get headlines. And I, yeah, it's going to get talked about more and more as the next three weeks go on. And if, and if you're like the average American, aren't you going to be exhausted about this? Why are we talking about the debt ceiling again? Is this going to be another thing where they're going to fight about health care and gun reform? All this big, drawn-out discussions about who can leverage who over this issue of being able to raise the debt ceiling or not? Um, I, people are going to get so sick of hearing about it because the politicians can't agree and accomplish anything worthwhile. We've got a caller wanting to squeeze in a comment or question here at the very end of the show. We've got Bob calling from Arroyo Grande. Bob, we've only got a little bit of time left. Okay. So you guys make the basic assumption that I and I agree with. The American public is a lot smarter than is played to by the media and that we understand more of what is really going on in the economy than um, jobs numbers and the Fed's numbers and all the rest of that stuff. And I think one of the problems that the stock market has is that the common person knows the country's going bankrupt. 
and this whole hyperbole of, oh, well, we're not, we had a surplus last month. Everybody knows it's BS. If we had a surplus last month, we wouldn't have to be increasing the debt. <laughs> it doesn't add up, does it? Common perspective of a credit card and a house payment and all that sort of stuff that having more bills than you have money is ugly, and they know the U.S. is there. Right. Yeah. It's kind of but terrifying. They, well, that's why, that's why people aren't spending money. It's like, so what is going to happen when interest rates go up to 5 or 7% and the Fed has to spend 50 to 60% of their darn budget just to pay the interest? Oh, I don't know. I don't know what's <laughs> going to happen. We're going to have, a, we're gonna have to print the million-dollar bill. That's why people are not going out and feeling confident about buying homes, about buying cars, about spending money, is because they know the federal government is going bankrupt, and they know that that affects their ability to go out and buy groceries and buy whatever they need. Yeah. Bob, thanks for the call. Appreciate the insight. Hey, we're hitting the uh, the final couple minutes of the show here. We began today's show by um, trying to share with you guys opportunities um, where you could identify uh, ways to use a mortgage or restructure a mortgage to better your own situation. Um, the kind of comes up as a theme of this show through the years now. There's not a lot you're going to do about getting the federal budget into control. Uh, you have no control over whether your investment in your stock market is going up or down, or if you're gaining or losing equity in your home uh, based on appreciation. Things that you can control, making sure that you're making the most of what's available to you. If you have an interest rate that's too high, bring it down. If you're paying mortgage insurance, figure out how to get rid of it. If you've got some cash that's sitting there earning nothing, consider putting it into an investment property um, where rents could somehow uh, improve your monthly cash flow. If you guys are interested in getting some expert advice on figuring out exactly what is available to you in terms of restructuring the loan you have or maybe getting you a new one, we'd love to hear from you. You can call us. Uh, we always do free consultations. There's no charge for you to come in, uh, and nor are we pesky salespeople. We don't chase you around, following you up, trying to pin you down into doing something. It's not our style at all. In fact, if it were, you would hear people calling into the show saying, oh, that's BS. These guys are, are pushy, and I wish I never called them. You never heard that. You've never heard somebody call in and say they had a miserable time with us. So um, have some comfort in that. Give us a call. Let us help you. 543-LOAN is the number to the company, 543 Check us out on the web. We're centralcoastlending.com. That's flush with resources available for you. We'll be back next week with another live episode. Thanks for being with us today. We sure hope that you have a great week.